Historically, black colleges and universities around the country are known for producing some of the best talent to come through the college ranks and on to the National Football League. What many may not know is the fact that those talented student athletes were coached by legendary coaches who not only changed their lives, but helped change the landscape of college football. A man who was a pace-setting coach at both the HBCU and predominantly white college levels. His name is Willie Jeffries. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out on this podcast. What I'm going to do is take you back and I'm actually going to give flowers to a living legend. I was watching TV the other day and uh, something came on SportsCenter and they were talking about uh, these college players and college players were talking about um, the dysfunctional relationship that they had with their particular coach. And it got me to thinking about me and my time playing college football. And it also got me thinking about my college football coach. Now, as many of you know, or maybe you don't know, I played college football at South Carolina State University. It's a historically black college located in Orangeburg, South Carolina. I played there from 1991 to 1995. And while I was there, my head coach was the legendary man by the name of Willie Jeffries. And Willie Jeffries is not only a phenomenal coach, but he's also a phenomenal man. And you'll hear me refer to him as Coach J because that's what we called him. But uh, if you look him up, if you go to your Google machine, it's going to tell you all of his stats and you know, the fact that he won 180 games and he won three black college national championships. He won seven conference championships. Uh, he was, you know, the coach of the year five different times. But it doesn't really tell you much about the man. So I wanted to, you know, give my coaches flowers because uh, he's still alive and kicking. He's still somewhere telling jokes. Harold and I were in, in college together. I copied off of Harold's paper. And the teacher called us one day, tell you how the professor called us. Harold wrote for number 10, I don't know, and I wrote, I don't either. <laughs> but you tell athletes, never copy one person's work. That's plagiarism. Copy off of eight or 10, that's research. <laughs> Um, I'll get to that in just a second, but, uh, man, coach Jay, uh, I guess I probably should tell you how I know coach Jay or how I got to know him because unlike a lot of people who play football or play a sport and they get to know that it, they get to know their coach once they arrive on a college campus, uh, my experience was a little different. I knew coach Jay probably since I was four or five years old, literally. Um, so Coach Jay becomes the head coach at South Carolina State 
1973. Well, the year before that, a little guy out of Florence, South Carolina, by the name of Harry Carson, goes to South Carolina State and he plays football there. And Harry Carson not only would play football at South Carolina State, but after graduation, uh, he would go on to play 13 seasons in the NFL and be voted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Harry Carson is my uncle. So he played under Coach Jay. And so I distinctly remember games where me and my family, we would go see my uncle play in Orangeburg for South Carolina State. And, uh, you know, he was there. And obviously, like I said, Coach Jay was there. And the bond that he and Coach Jay uh, formed over his four years there, or three years together, but his his time there at South Carolina State was uh, a bond that I grew to know that, you know, how close they had gotten. Uh, my grandfather, unfortunately, passed away in 1973. So I was just one a year. I was just a year old when he passed away. I have very... I don't have any memories of him. Uh, I've seen pictures, but I didn't know him. But nonetheless, uh, when my grandfather passed, um, Coach Jay kind of became like a father figure to my uncle and they became the best of friends. And it's <laughs> it's kind of weird when you think about it, because I remember, uh, you know, even being young, how my uncle would talk in such high reverence about Coach Jay, even to the point, And I didn't realize this until later on in life, but like, they're like the best of friends. And this guy's, you know, so much older than my uncle. But when my uncle got married in 1988, his best man was Coach Jay. Like, <laughs> and he had brothers, but he named Coach Jay his best man. And I mean, they talk all the time. And so it wasn't until I got to South Carolina State that I realized, you know, uh, you know how close that bond was. And, and then the kind of bond that Coach Jay and I would share uh, in my time there. Um, but nonetheless, that's how I knew him growing up. And so when it got time for me to pick a school, uh, I was being recruited by, you know, different schools or whatever coming out of high school, uh, South Carolina state honestly wasn't one of them. And I guess it was almost assumed <laughs> that I would go to South Carolina state. And, uh, I didn't like that assumption. <laughs> and so I, for a while, I actually fought the idea of going to South Carolina state because, my cousin was there. My cousin, Mike, he was he's older than me. He was there. Uh, his brother, Eric, um, who is my age, Eric had already decided to go to South Carolina State. So I think in my family, everybody kind of thought that that's what would happen. Nonetheless, Coach Jay was still there. He had, you know, coached my uncle, coached the South Carolina State for um, he was there from 73 to 78. Then he left. And then he would come back. He did two stints at two different schools. And I'll touch on that in just a second. But he did come back to South Carolina State in uh, 1989. And he coached there from 1989 to 2000. Well, I arrived on the campus of South Carolina State University in the fall of 1991. So he's there. So (laughs) I remember being actually, you know, I can't even call it a visit. But I remember just sitting down talking to him and um, he just said, hey, you know, if you want to come here, this is some place where you're going to come. You already know what it is. Uh, you're going to come here and graduate and it's going to change your life. And that's all he said, really. 
And, I mean, it really wasn't much of a pitch, but that's what he said. And, you know, I took him for his word for it. Uh, now, I'll be honest, I did entertain some other schools. <laughs> and I'll probably have to touch on that in another podcast. But, um, but yeah, so that, that was the idea for me to come to South Carolina State. But uh, once I got there, I learned so much about the man and, and, and the myth and the legend that he was. Coach Jay, uh, what I found out very quickly is that he's a different man on the weekdays than he is on game day. And what I mean by that is during the week, he is a mild mannered, you know, cooler than a fan, uh, laid back, very not what you would think of a typical college coach. Right. He was uh, someone and still is someone very easy to talk to his the door to his office in the coach's room in the coach's office was always open always so if you went over to the coach's office to watch film or just to see your position coach or whatever the case may be coach jay's office was always open sometimes he you walk by and say what's up and he'd call you in there and you know ask you how the classes were going he'd you know ask something about your mama or your dad or something like that he and that was another thing too like that really bugged me out about coach jay was that his knowledge of people and he knew so much and it's, it's rare that you played football and got that kind of wisdom or game from someone who not only was just telling you about life, but telling you about the game and teaching the game, but also teaching you about life. And I just love the way that our days and, 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 and the months and weeks were structured around football, but also around life and, and building ourselves a life. Um, but on game day, <laughs> he's a totally different cat, man. I mean, he wasn't, he was never a, he's never the kind of guy that would, or never kind of, not the kind of coach that would like yell at you to embarrass you. Like I never, like he might say shit or hell, but he never said motherfucker or never, you know, say get the fuck off my face. I mean like he he didn't he didn't embarrass you if you made a mistake he was the type of coach he was going to get on you about the mistake but two minutes later he'd have his arms around you you know pumping you back up um but he just I mean he was <laughs> game days was different it was a different guy he wasn't the grandfatherly old type cat that was giving you game he was very intense, but not mean spirited at all, but he wanted to win. And I think, uh, you know, he wasn't going to do whatever it took to win, but he was going to make sure that we were prepared for every situation that we could win. Um, and then, you know, it was outside of game days, man. You realize that this guy was just funny. If you spend any time around him, you quickly learn that not only is he a great man and a great coach, but he's one of the funniest people you ever want to be around. Let me tell you about it. He's so fast, he can play ping pong by himself. (laughs) Had a bank robber over there in Korea, and uh, the bank robber, while he was putting the money in the 
in the bag, the fellas in the in bank that could have been running. They, they, they're goosenecking like people do, riding up the highway looking and slowing down traffic. So he asked the first guy, did you see me rob this bank? He had no more sense than to say, yeah, boom, so he killed him. Next guy could have been gone. He said, you see me rob this bank? He said, yeah, boom, killed him. Last guy in there said, you see me rob this bank? He said, no, but my wife did. <laughs> it shouldn't be like that. <laughs> I mean, like, he was so funny. It, it, when, you, when you sat down with Coach Jay, honestly, you did not know you knew he was going to tell you something that you needed to hear, whether it would be football based or life based, but there was going to be a joke in there too. Like at one point I'm like, man, I'm really, <laughs> I'm being coached by a clean version of Richard Pryor. Like this guy was, he's just that funny. And um, we, we really, really appreciated coach Jay and still do to this day. And uh, you know, he, he has a story, he has a fable, he has a joke for just about every situation. Um, you know, he, he's a devoted, you know, husband and father. And I remember him telling us the story about, uh, you know, how to make it in a relationship. My wife and I, my first wife and I have been married for 57 years. <laughs> <laughs> And I gotta let, I have to let the young ones know how we did it. You go to dinner twice a week. Dim lights, soft music, good food. She goes on Tuesday, I go on Thursday. And that was hilarious. And so, you know, you would get a lot of stuff from Coach J, man. Just like I said, game and just everything. Um, one of the things that I really took from Coach Jay uh, as far as his preparation and how he got us prepared was he never dwelled on how good an opposing player was. Like if we needed to stop this running back or stop this quarterback or whatever the case may be, he would talk about him in the meetings. But his focus always was knowing your assignments and knowing what it is that you need to do because – he always felt like if you know what you need to do and we play our game, nobody's going to beat us. And pretty much that came to fruition. If you did what you were supposed to do. Uh, so he was big on you paying attention to details, knowing your assignments. And that, that sounds cliche, but it is so true. And he always talked about staying focused, laser focus. And, to be honest, those are things that I have, you know, taken with me in my life. Um, you know, just being able to have a goal, keep your eyes set on that goal and accomplishing that goal. Um, but again, he was, he, he would mix that in and he would mix that in with some of the funniest things that you'd ever want to hear. Like I remember he told this guy one time, he said that, uh, he said he was the only player that he ever had to come to school with matching luggage. His mom was nice enough to pack him uh, two brown paper bags. <laughs> Man, I mean, this dude, he had so many jokes, so many jokes. I remember him telling the team one time that uh, that uh, 
he said Jesus called him to preach. But uh, when he answered the phone and realized that he had the wrong number, he hung up. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, he was he, he was just funny. But again, his he was a different guy between uh, weekdays and game days. Um, another thing. Uh, I made him mad one day. And this was um, this actually strengthened our friendship. Uh, make a long story short, we we had this game and the game was on national TV. It was on BET. We're playing Jackson State. Right. And we're beating Jackson State by like, I don't know, 30 points. And I remember distinctly that one of the coaches came over and this was we were playing them in the Circle City Classic. And uh, it was in Indianapolis at the Hoosier Dome. And it's, I don't know, 60, 65,000 black people in the, in the stadium. I mean, the stadium's jumping. Uh, it was crazy. And so, again, this is on TV. We're up by like 30 points. I can't remember how much we're, but I'm just, for the time being, I'll just say 30 points. We're up by 30. And I distinctly remember one of the coaches coming over and saying, hey, look, it was the start of the fourth quarter. We're getting in the game. I wasn't even starting, so I was, I just gotten in the game, and I was like, uh, I think I was a redshirt sophomore, and um, and I remember a coach saying, "Hey, don't let up. The game's not over." And we're thinking like, whatever, man. <laughs> we're up by we're up by thirty points in the fourth quarter. Nobody blows a thirty point lead in the fourth quarter until you do. <laughs> So Jackson State gets this momentum. We turn the ball over a couple of times. They pulled the second unit, which I was a part of. They pulled us out, put the first unit back in. The first unit was on the sidelines, chilling, had their shoulder pads off, Gatorade and everything. And so now we're in a dogfight, right? So Jackson State comes down and they score and they go for two. And they go for two. And if they get the two point conversion, they would, I think, take the lead with maybe like less than a minute left in the game. And, um, and so we stopped them on the extra, the, on the two point conversion. So we're all happy and, and just everybody's jumping up and down. And <laughs> I can't lie. The emotions got the best of me. So I ran onto the field and now you can't have, but so many people on the field because even though the play had ended, I I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Like I shouldn't have been on the field, but I was on the field and we were in the midst of the play was over and it was, we were trying to get our offense on the field because we had stopped them. And, but I was on the field and I, (laughs) I shouldn't have been on the field. So we, Really had too many people on the field. And so I'm celebrating with one of my teammates and my teammate walks past me. And all of a sudden I feel this heat on the back of my neck. I got a bad feeling about this. And I, t- I turn around and it's Coach Jay and there's literally like fire coming out of his eyes. And he's yelling something. And, and again, we're in a stadium with 65,000 people. It's an indoor stadium. I can't hear him, so I don't know what he's saying, but he was telling me to get the hell off the field, but I was like, 
too excited the fact that we're about to win this game that we almost blew that we really should have blown him out and so I turn around and I'm looking at him and the fire's coming out of his eyes and next thing I know he's chasing me <laughs> literally chasing me off the field and I'm so glad that the cameras from BET did not catch it because I'm sure that anybody who saw it had to be dying laughing because my teammates were dying laughing at me. Um, and so I don't know why I was on the field. I don't think I would have, I don't think we would have gotten a flag, but he was just trying to get everybody off the field because we had too many people on the field celebrating. We should have been really on the sideline celebrating. Uh, nonetheless, I thought the old man, so when he came at me, I kind of gave him a shake move and, <laughs> and I, I ran to the sideline and then I went and sat down on the bench and he said, don't you get your ass off that bench. <laughs> so after the game, he pulls me to the side and like, look, you can't do that. I know you want to celebrate with your teammates, but you can't be on the field. He was like, you know, we had too many people on the field. If they would have run the ball or snapped the ball, we would have gotten a penalty for, you know, having too many people on the field and, you know, it would have just messed us up. So I felt bad. <laughs> I felt bad. I was kind of embarrassed and my teammates were joking me, but uh, I, I felt better once he talked to me about it. And then after that, he was like, look, he said, we're going to do this handshake. And so he said, every day after practice, when we come together, because we practice would always end with coach, you know, talking to us or whatever. Um, but I had to come up to him and I had to give him dap, but I had to give him like the hardest dap that I could give him. And so he made that like the little thing that we would do. And so, uh, that's what I did. Like the final, I don't know the rest of that year. And then until I graduated, I would always give him dap, hard dap <laughs> at the end of practice. That was our little thing. And uh, if you see the cover art, you see us praying because I would always be praying and holding his hand. Um, so, yeah, that that was our thing, man. But it was just like one of those life's lessons. It's just like, you know, what I took from that was, you know, the game is never over. Even when you think it's over, you you finish the game. You finish the drill. You finish doing what it is that you're supposed to do. And it, it's little things like that that just made me, uh, you know, appreciate Coach Jay that much more. Uh, we would go on to win the uh, Black College National Championship, our conference championship in 1994. And, uh, you know, Coach Jay was, you know, coach of the year that year. And he was just, I mean, like we were we were unstoppable. And I just remember him uh, in that final game. We played our, our championship game, the Heritage Bowl. Uh, it was at the Georgia Dome and we were playing against Grambling, which had uh, probably the most popular legendary uh, football coach um, in Eddie Robinson. And uh Coach Jay didn't say that he wanted to be Coach Robinson. I mean, we wanted to win a championship, obviously. But I think deep down he really wanted to beat <laughs> Eddie Robinson. And, you know, these two guys are legends in college football. Eddie Robinson is, you know, he was the most winningest football coach, you know, at, at one particular time. Um, he had the record, I mean, over 400 victories. So Coach Jay knew that, you know, beating him would be something. And so when we beat Grambling in the Heritage Bowl and we won the Black College National Championship, I, that meant a lot. It meant a lot to me, but it meant a lot to me to see him being as happy as he was 
and for us to take the title. Um, but, you know, Coach Jay, not only was he, will he be known for his time at South Carolina State, but he was the first black head coach at a white university, major division one university. He was at Wichita State. I mentioned earlier when he was at South Carolina State, he left in 1978. Well, in 1979, he takes the job at Wichita State. And again, he's the first black head coach to head a major division one school. And Wichita State probably wasn't the easiest place for him to go. I went to Wichita State and you know, it is very tough to pull your family up in January. And I was gonna turn it down. I was in a comfort zone here, but then I thought about it. Someone has to open the door. You know, they talk about a, the glass ceiling on certain in certain professions, but uh, we have to be willing to go and, and take a chance on it. So to move up, uh, to, to just play those type schools, um, it would be a, an advancement for an African-American coach to, to be the head coach in that arena. What stands out to me was our victory over KU. Uh, that, that just made it all worth it the five years I was at uh, Wichita State for the fans. They just said that's enough to last them for the next 50 years. So, but for him to go there and coach from 1979 to 1983, uh, it made him not only legendary, but he was the first to do it. So if you don't have Coach Jay at Wichita State, black head coaches probably don't make it, not only in college football, but not in the NFL either. So if you don't have Coach Jay at Wichita State, you don't have Art Shell in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders. You don't have Tony Dungy uh, in the NFL. You don't have the Mike Tomlins of the world. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on. But for a long time, big Division One schools didn't want to give uh, the job of head coach to a black man. I mean, and this was, again, 1979. It wasn't that long ago. So for for us to say that we've come a long way we have but it's a lot you know we have a lot further to go and you know I want to always thank coach Jay and, and give him his props for breaking down that door because honestly at that particular time there were a lot of white schools uh, that would allow black players to come and play there but they couldn't coach there uh, coach Jay holds the distinction of being the only coach to ever coach against Paul Bear Bryant and Eddie Robinson, arguably two of the staples of college football. And so, you know, he has all the statistics. He has all of the the accolades. But again, I think that's probably one of his biggest contributions to college football was breaking the color barrier. If he doesn't break the color barrier, who knows what happens to black colleges not only, excuse me, what, what happens to black coaches on the collegiate level and subsequently on the pro level as well. Um, but ultimately, Coach Jay has a great legacy. And honestly, his legacy will be and forever be tied to not just the players that he coached 
you know, that went to the NFL because he coached over, I don't know, 100, 200 kids that, you know, made it to the NFL. But it'll always be tied to kids like me who weren't going to the NFL, but played under him and became productive citizens in this world. I believe um, not not the advent of um, being the first uh, African-American head coach at a major university. I would think my contributions would be in the field of uh, graduation rates. We had a high graduation rate at South Carolina State, Wichita State, and Howard. And believe it or not, at all three locations geographically, we got respect. So sometimes when you, you're trying to equal out uh, how you're going to uh, bring in different cultures into your daily lives. If you just, if you do those three, and we also would do the three Fs, uh, faith, family, and good future, those were the things that, that carried me. Uh, so everybody couldn't be Harry Carson. Everybody couldn't be Donnie Shell. Everybody couldn't be Robert Porsche, but everybody could be a 12 Kyle. <laughs> and again, he, he left us on the football field with so much. And I, I had to do this podcast to give him his flowers while he's still here to hear it. Cause coach Jay's going to hear this podcast, <laughs> but I had to do this because again, I want people to know, Hey, this guy is a great guy. And not only was he great on the field, he was great off the field and he helped grow shape and develop young men. And at the end of the day, that's what a coach and a legend is supposed to do. That's going to do it for me. Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five G's. A coach's responsibility uh, is to uh, develop the academic, social, and athletic ability of a player in that order. And the great gratification a coach gets is when they come back and say, Coach, I love you. You got me through school. And, and, and we talk about football last.